So yeah, I've signed it now. So the public memorial is the 24th. Mm-hmm. I looked at plane flights. Don't try to fly anywhere this summer. Uh, either I either have to change twice, and even that's like 1200 bucks. Oh. Or if I want to fly, I could like fly to Baltimore for 1100 and then drive three hours here. Oof. So I'm driving. I'm, and, yeah. but, but the problem is I've got a 40-year-old Jeep and rentals too. Car rentals are like – it's like three grand for three weeks yeah. to rent a car. So – I'm leaving tonight, leaving today, getting home tonight, and I'm drive, starting to drive back on Saturday. Good luck. So, I, and I actually, you sent the text about the 26th, and then so I went to go put it on my on our the the all knowing dry erase calendar yeah. in our kitchen because if it's not on there, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Doesn't exist. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be in Cape Cod that weekend. Where are you gonna be? Ah, uh, Yarmouth. Oh, nice. I lived out there for a while at a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, so we, we, I mean, I've been to Cape Cod a few times, but we've never, like, spent a, a long weekend there with the boys. So oh, wow. We, we rented a little house for um, four nights. Sweet. I, I mean, I, the Cape's, uh, Cape's a very interesting place. It's, yeah. it's a weird place to live year-round. Yeah. And I was there for four years, you know. Year, yeah. It's a strange place in February. Yeah, um, I could imagine. But I, I definitely like have a soft so spot. Busy in the summertime, and you know, and then it just we we my parents bought this log this log cabin up in the woods when I was like five. Yeah. So like from the time I was a tiny kid, we were up there every summer, and then this is a long time ago, so it was a lot, lot more thinly populated and a lot cheaper. But um, and then they bought another like they sold it when I was in high school, and they bought another one. Uh, maybe 20 years ago, had it for about 10 or 12 years. And that's, that's where I lived for most of the time I was there. It was great. We were like a half mile from the water. Nice. Uh, the port. Was yeah, right no, like, yeah, yeah. Like a mile from the Kennedy compounds. Yeah. And actually I worked for the census. I was a census supervisor in 2010 and the Kennedy compound showed up on my list of properties. And they nice. told us at the beginning, they told us if there's any, like high profile property, you take it yourself. Don't give it to one of your your people. Yep. So I went out there. First time I went out there, there's nobody on the whole property. I just drove around to park down on the field where they used to play touch football, let my mm-hmm. dog run around, got back in the car. The next time I went, there were like people painting one of the houses. They're like, oh, we don't know if anybody's going to be here. So I went there three times, couldn't find anybody handed it over to Chris, who was like my best guy. Yeah. He goes, knocks on the door once. Ethel Kennedy's there, Ugh. invites him in three hours, gives him whiskey, telling him all sorts of, all kinds of, all kinds of senses, yeah. all kinds of uh, Kennedy stories. Yeah. I'm like, damn it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's census is really, it's a really interesting experience. My daughter works for the census. Permanently? Yeah. Permanently. She's a researcher. She's doing great. She's uh, remote. She lives in Indiana with her husband who goes to Purdue. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. And good morning. Welcome to Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. I'm Big D. I'm a, we're, we're multi-generational, and I am the uh, aged one. Uh, I saw Ted Williams hit his last home run against the Baltimore Orioles uh, when I was a I think elementary school. Um, 
So, and then we also have kind of uh, youth in Agawam, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. If you want to call me the youth. Yeah, yeah. If you want to call me the youth, the youth, I'll take it. You're the youths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A nice, sunny... Well, actually, it's kind of a, it'll turn out to be a little bit of a cloudy day here. And uh, Man, what are you talking about? It's going to be 90-something degrees. And, yeah, and we actually, Daryl, I'll be out in Belchertown today. I've got a golf tournament. Um, the, oh, you're going to be miserable. Fun. You're going to be Maryland. miserable. Ah, it'll be fun. I'll be, I'll be um, hydrated, and it'll be, it'll be a fun day. <laughs> Beer isn't hydrating, you know. Uh, I've got my bottles of water, too. <laughs> and then out on the left coast, which is always in trouble, is that, no, you're uh, in no Jersey bro. today, right, Joe? Nope. I'm oh, in New Jersey. Dad, okay. dad, 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 dad's funeral was yesterday, so I came back. And actually, I was telling Matt um, before he came on, Daryl, I <laughs> we so he wanted a private memorial immediately, just family only. So it was just my sisters, my mom, the grandkids, the his my dad's brother and sister, the cousins, aunts and all. There were 20 people yesterday. And then he wanted a public mass at St. James Church in in about a month. So I get to, and I c- cannot find, try to find plane tickets at a reasonable price where you don't have to change planes four times. Impossible for the end of June. So I'm flying back tonight, and then next Saturday I'm getting in my 40-year-old Jeep and driving back. So I, and I actually messaged you guys the other day because I think on the 26th, I can be in the studio. Unfortunately, Matt's going to be away. Yeah, we'll be on. We'll be at the Cape that weekend. Well, I think I, I'm going to be away, to too. That. Oh, no. So am I going to be in the studio running the board? Yeah, well, but we'd have to meet before that. But I think I think that's my week's vacation uh, with the family. We're down in Narragansett, Rhode Island. I think it's huh. Saturday to Saturday. But you know what? I don't know what time it starts. So actually, we may be able to do it live. You may be able to come in the studio. And okay. I may be here then, because I think we're, I'm going to drive down to Narragansett. Because usually on these week rentals, you don't get in there till Saturday afternoon. Right, yeah, like so, usually four Yeah, four so o'clock. I should be all right. But that's too far in the future. i got to have school in before, before <laughs> Matt. I, I, like, I, I think that my – as you get older, your mental acuity certainly uh, is challenged. And Speak for yourself, buddy. And, and your retention is challenged. But I feel like I've entered a um, new phase of stupidity, of brain <laughs> deadness, of an inability to just, like, if, if I'm telling a story to a friend, if I stop having a side, I have to ask him, now, what was I talking about? <laughs> what did I just say to you eight seconds ago? Yeah. yeah. That happened to me about three times yesterday, Daryl. Oh. Uh, yeah. So I need, I need, uh, and I'm sure Matt feels the same way. Uh, you know, six days left, six and a half. Yeah, make it, make it stop, make it stop. Everybody, and 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 Joe, you, you and your family members for other reasons, but I mean, the mental stress and and just exha- exhaustion that I mean, I'll, I'll as just as pro- from a professional standpoint that Daryl as teachers this year, it's been, you know, it's hard to compare it to anything else. Essentially. Daryl, what you've had to do is go back to your first year as a teacher at the, at, at what, what are you, 30 years into teaching or, or actually no, you didn't start right away. Like that, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and, and it, it's, it's, it's. No, but it's not even like the first year. Then you were nervous this year, just uh, um, the things that everybody had to do. And like, I shouldn't really complain 
and you shouldn't map because so many other people got, you know, they didn't get paid and they had, you know, personal issues. And, you know, at least we worked, but God, the work was just horrible this year, like worse than the first year. Yeah. And I I watched my sister and my brother, brother brother-in-law go through it too. He's a middle school uh, Spanish teacher. She was a teacher. She goes between teaching and administration. She's in administration now, but it's just as frustrating for them to try and just like the, the the fact that your plans were changing every week, it's got to be maddening to plan on how to teach when you don't know what your classroom wow. setting is going to be. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That it, it was it was every day you were waiting. Okay, like I, I could I could physically could not, and I had a student teacher. I we could not plan more than a week out because right at at literally I mean there was a there was a time there where within like a span of two months we pivoted like four times and it just, it's, you got, I've got half, I've got three classes that are remote. I've got the rest that I'm seeing in person and these, this class is quarantined and this, so, you know, but we, we, we're almost there. We're almost there. Now, Joe, I know you have five things on your list. I'm going to mention my three right off the bat. And one of them might be one you're going to, um, get into but i just wanted to give a shout out to bc's women lacrosse national champs national champs it's pretty cool and um and then the water bottle at boston garden and i'm willing to to listen to how utah and uh, boston are not great places about the racism but um it but the fan behavior i think we may want to talk about and then uh, Sidonia Price was Prince. Sidonia Prince was back at, you know, she was the one. Oh, that, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Yes, she's the Oregon. Yeah, Oregon the one that revealed yeah. about the difference in the men's facility and the women's facility. Yeah, yeah who's, who got drafted, right? She's in the WNBA now. I think so, yeah. yeah. So, all right. So um, where do you want to start? All right, well, I, I, I let you get away with one last week. We were talking about Jason Tatum, who – in my opinion, does not make his team better, is not a team-elevating player. He's a scorer. He's great. He's very talented. Not going to – I I feel about Jason Tatum the way Matt felt about James Harden last year. Not bad? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah right. I, think he's, I think he's wildly overrated. And so Daryl was, was saying, well – Okay, so is Aaron Judge wildly overrated? All right, hold on. We're not talking about baseball. We're not talking about Aaron no, Judge. No, 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 but we're talking about overrated no, we're talking superstars. About, no, we're talking about you being wrong. Yeah, we're talking about you being wrong. That's what we're talking about. So Daryl's point was, well, the team does so much better when he's on the floor. He's, he's better. He's valuable to the team because they're better when he's on the floor. And, Daryl, I know you hate advanced statistics, but this is why they exist because we have this thing called plus minus, which tells you exactly how your team does when you're on the floor. And I, I, I wish we had a live audience because I would want them all to guess what Jason Tatum's plus minus in the playoffs has been. And it, through five games, it's minus 11.6, which again means that if he played the entire game, they would lose by 11 points. In other words. So, but now I, let me defend Daryl a little bit because I'm thank not a, you, thank you a little bit. No, no, well, I, I, I no, think, but I mean he's cherry picking. They were overmatched in the playoffs. Well, that, so that's, that's not, not cherry picking. That's yes, you are because that's that. not what look at it for the regular season. 
I will do that. Well, while but go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Well, that that was going to kind of be my point is, it, I do think a plus minus will tell you your efficiency over the course of a season. But in the span of a particular playoff series, let's even just say if it does go seven games, it's just one team. So if that matchup, if that, you know, the Celtics were clearly overmatched by the Nets. I'm quite honestly surprised it was only minus 11. (laughs) <laughs> well, but not if he's supposed to be the, the difference maker on the floor. It shouldn't be minus anything. And he, so his, his, number for the regu- his number for the regular season was plus two and a half, which was his career low, career yeah. low. Yeah. It, last year was plus 7.6, which is an all-star level number. Uh-huh. 2.5 is not. 2.5 is rotation player numbers. I'll, I'll, give, you, I, I, and I'll give you that. And, and the Celtics were – disappointing in a way that I think they, they, they were a 500 team and there was much expectation. Right. So I mean, but so thanks Matt. And I, it just, I mean, if, if I would, I would have expected it to be higher because if you are the best player on that team, right. And, and Joe, like, do you dispute that? Whether how good he is or not, is he the best player on their team? You know, I I I, I like Jalen Brown. I know he's right. not. No, Jalen Brown's great, but he's out. He's out. So right, right now, but right even, now. even even when he's healthy, I think people regard Tatum as the one A and Brown as the one B. I would uh, maybe, but no, I, a lot of people think that Brown, because of his defense, he's a tremendous defensive player. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think he can do more things for you. And if I were the he's new a beautiful GM. ball handler. He's and he gets better every year, and he's twenty four. And the effort—it's the big difference, Daryl—is the effort I see from him. What Tatum, Tatum works hard when he's has the ball or is trying to get the ball. If you watch him any other time, but, okay, but wait a minute. Around, so stop right like, there. He's do standing around like Latrell pretty well. How many Celtics games do you watch? I've probably seen him. I've seen every playoff game, and I've probably probably watched them five or six times during okay. the season. So, no, listen, I would agree with a lot of what you're talking about. For one thing, Tatum is uh, constantly arguing with the ref of not calling a, a foul on a drive, and sometimes to the detriment of not getting back while the other right. team is yeah. racing back. Um, but the thing is, as a longtime Celtics watcher, and um, what Tatum has done – especially after Brown went out uh, is he's been the center of attention and he's become a much better passer and a much better rebounder. His, his, um, his assists, I think were a high for him this year. And so just actually watching the Celtics wouldn't have even made the playoffs without him. And in the playoffs, they didn't have any, chance and so like when you said that a 50 is 50 point game was meaningless it was not at all that was the only reason the celtics won that particular game well if you they know, have so, if they have no other scoring options that are healthy and he's that's all he does he's going to score 50 points i could score give me 32 shots no, i'll score no. 50 points 32 you shots Darryl. you get 32 he's shots he's double team yeah and he makes over half of them so no, like he made he made like 12 
I yeah, I he's he's not an efficient player now. I I know he's spectacular. Uh, actually, I think you're wrong. I think his shooting percentage is pretty good. I, um, I think I think we should know by now that when Daryl cites a statistic, it's just generated in his head and it doesn't. I, <laughs> so let, I'll look up his shooting percentage. No, as I well. got it right here. Um, let's see. So his field goal percentage for the regular season was forty five nine. For the postseason, it's been forty two. Okay, so so how's your forty-five percent shooter for a volume shooter? That's not bad. It's pretty good, but he's not bad. But his rebounds, seven rebounds a game. His assists are up to almost five a game. Daryl, I'm not. I'm not disputing. I'm not disputing that he racked up. He's improved. He's improved. I'm not disputing that he racks up these numbers, but they're meaningless if you're minus eleven in the playoffs. That's my point. Yeah, but so was everybody for the Celts. You know, it's no, no, no. I was going to say that, Levy, and, and I'm, I love letting you guys get into it because, I, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of basketball. I have watched a lot of playoff basketball. But I think right now we're giving too much of the blame on Tatum because that whole team wildly underachieved. Where was Kemba Walker, who I love? But he I, just I couldn't play all right? year. Where was, you know, I just, that whole team, the coach, the, Brad Stevens, like everybody disappointed on the Celtics team this year. And Tatum is the best player on that team. You can, we can debate what that means, but he is the best player on that team. And when you are the best player on that team, if your team's out in the first round, it's on you. Right. Um, so, but that's listen. a poorly, it, that, that, I kind of feel like right now, the Celtics are trending in that dumpster fire yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, that's why age is gone. He didn't look too happy on the uh, thing. And there's a, certainly a rumor that he's going to show up in Utah uh, oh, immediately. And you? the feeling is for Stevens is that this job is just a placeholder. It's just because he's under contract, they didn't want to dump him. And then wow. he, may, oh, he wow. may end up coaching somewhere very soon. Like one, one reporter thought that he wouldn't last a, 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 week, a month in, his, in this yeah. position. So I, I, we'll I, see. I mean, I, maybe, I, maybe he really wants it. I haven't seen anything in his career at Butler or at, with the Celtics that tells me he's going to be a good executive. I mean, he has, he, he's, he's capable on the sideline, but – I, that's funny. I hadn't heard that, Daryl. That makes sort of makes all this make some sense if they yeah, if right, they're right. just doing this as they, a they've got a five thing. year contract with him or whatever it is for a lot of money. So, you know, this was this whether you know he might not even have wanted to do this or he might have reluctantly agreed. But now at least they're still paying. They're getting something out of him, and who knows? Maybe he'll do a great job, and maybe he'll like it. But uh, but I think there's a a strong feeling that he's going to be hired by Butler. Indiana, I was thinking somebody. that too, because that's anyway. where I'm thinking this is a dysfunctional organization right now, because you're, you're, you're not taking, you're taking a former college coach and granted when you are a college head coach and at Butler, you are kind of like, you're the general manager of that university, right? You, you're, you're putting together your scholarships, you're putting together your recruiting packages, you're, you're, you are overseeing a lot. So he probably has that in his bag of tricks, but he's not an NBA guy. And when I say, like, you're going to be an exec of the Boston Celtics, I just thought, where's his experience? Well, and so the thing is, if he is going to actually last, 
I think you'll see a new coach within a week, um, you know, that they're going to move quickly on a new coach. And I loved how you guys were suggesting, uh, what, Becky Hammond? Yeah. Well, that would be, we that can, would be sensational. See, I'm, and I don't think that would be good. Okay, go ahead, Matt. Let's let's start this argument. Go ahead. No, and and so let well, me. I think personally, okay. she should wait for San Antonio. That's, so if that's, that's where you're going, I would agree with that. So for me, I I think there are three things that we have to think about: is when you're hiring somebody to be a coach, are they knowledgeable? Um, do they have experience, and will they get the buy-in? Becky Hammond is is absolutely knowledgeable enough to be an NBA head coach. She has the experience to be working with Greg Popovich for how many years now? Like uh, four? So, no, I think six or, six or seven, yeah. Okay, so she has the experience in the NBA. Will she get the buy-in? She has it. If you, if you saw the comments from players about this rumor that she's going to Boston, she absolutely has more, more than I thought. The reception. Okay, and then, so that that's where I would want to pump the brakes because I do. It, it's not about the individual. I think this it would be so earth shattering in the sports world to have the first female coach coach a men's team in professional sports. I would want it to be as successful as it possibly can be. And I think the spot for that to happen, I just think, would be San Antonio. I think. Right. And, and honestly, they had Carol, they had Carol Lawson and she got buy-in from the players. She was, um, you know, she was well-received. Well, so, I, I, agree. You know, I think you're right about Hammond. I agree on the culture side of it. I think if you're looking for a healthy organization to put a, a pioneering coach, the Spurs are a better organization for that. But I think talent-wise, there's no comparison. The Celtics are a much better team. So I think if you want to put her in a position – where she can succeed and knowing that she's going to get that job either next year or the following year when pop retires, let her go to Boston for two years. doesn't matter if she's 20 and 60, she'll still get that Spurs job. But, so then, I think, but then my argument would be if she has more talent on a team and she's 20 and 60, is she a good coach? Well, that's, I don't think, I think the Celtics won't hire her just for that reason. I think everyone knows She's destined to coach the Spurs, but if you're if you're Pop, you can't ask her to to stick around for two more years and not take this opportunity. It's going to be really interesting to see how, how this all yeah. plays I mean, out. And, and we're having this debate. I mean, I don't know of any official or formal offer or even an interview. That was that was kind of like that speculation. A sports writer that that speculated. Right. Yeah. So I, I just think. I think the next any month coach, will be interesting. Any coach, let's even just say like um, uh, David Fisdale. Remember, you, you know, yeah, he yeah. was a very well-respected coach, New York, dumpster fire, fire of an organization, and he's fired within a few weeks of the season. And I wouldn't want a new coach, any, any coach, especially Becky Hammond with the um, – with with the whole situation, right? The first female coach to coach in basketball, head coach, go to a team where the expectation is you're making a deep run in the Eastern Conference playoffs. That would that is the expectation for the Celtics. That is. Carol, is that the expectation for next year after this year? Or are you looking at a rebuild? You got a new coach, a new GM, a bunch of all star players that can be traded. 
Or do you well, think the okay, so the thing is, you know, like, first off, they developed a real center this year in Rob Williams. Now, the issue with him is he seems to get frequent injuries. That's the only, you know, and maybe that's just a little blip, but he is a defensive, you know, in the one play game he played against the Nets, he blocked nine shots in like 20 minutes. Um, he's a sensational center. So they got a good center. They've got two superstars. Fournier is a better than average player. So, and then Kemba, who knows? And I honestly, I think if they could get rid of Kemba and get something for it, they probably would. He's a brilliant player who never plays because he's injured. Well, I, I, think, I, think he, I don't think he fits in with, with the other two superstars on that yeah. team very well either. They need really right. Need to no, I agree. When you look at a Chris Paul, what they do, what what um, Drew Holiday, what what these really good point guards do, especially Chris Paul, he's amazing. He's like a hundred years old, yeah. and he's not fast, and he's is he makes every team he plays for way better. But Joe, let me ask let me ask you this as sort of not the Celtic Homer and the one who would like to see Becky Hammond there. If they keep this roster with this talent, they don't break it down. If they keep this roster with this talent, what are the expect? Is it at least playoffs? Second I mean, round. I think the expectation is playoffs, but it's maybe not winning a first round matchup. They didn't win the first round this year, so well, but, but no, I think they know they know they're one or, or they, if, if hold on, if you do break down the roster and have the rebuild, are they better than San Antonio now? Yeah, no, they're not going to rebuild, but they're going to try to get another star, you know, whether it's free agency or a trade. And they certainly would give, and it's possible they would give up one of the two um, superstars. I hope not. Um, If you could trade, if you could trade Tatum for DeAndre Ayton, would you do that? Wow. Wow, that's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, he's Aiden is is great. I mean, that's the kind of return you're talking about. Right. If you're going to trade this guy, and, so and, his- and to bring up somebody like that, that is what the Celtics are really missing. Rob right. Williams kind of gives it to him, but he just hasn't played consistently. And you can he's move hurt William, all the time. You can move Williams out to the four, and he still does everything he does for that team. I I like him a lot too. I think yeah, he reminds me of like the the poor man's parish. Like he so has anyway, a kind of right. game. And, but and, but they're, they're not going to rebuild. They're not going to blow up the team. Well, re- but, but I would, I would expect some moves. Rebuild to mean trading three players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I could see Kemba surely being dealt. Yep. You could package him with. They still have a, a surplus of picks too, don't they? Nah, the picks are pretty well gone. They okay. kind of blew that. Age, other than Tatum and Brown, the the drafts were pretty unsuccessful. But you could get a, a all star caliber front court player for Kemba and your number one and your first round pick this year. Because this is a deep this is a deep draft this year. I think oh, yeah. in the 16, 18, 20, there are still good players to be had. So my my other question for you and that I hadn't thought of that about this till till we all started talking. But um, what about Becky Hammond in Portland? Oh, they just fired the Portland coach. Well, it was one of those mutual decisions. That's not really a mutual decision, which I think is really funny because everybody knows he got fired. Yeah. But they do this, I guess, to save. You know, like if you if you get fired from your job as a teacher and you go to another district. And they say, well, what happened to your last job? And you say, I got fired. They're not going to hire you. If you go there and say, well, it was a mutual decision for us to leave, 
you're more likely to get hired. That doesn't matter in the NBA. Nobody yeah. cares if you got fired last year. If you're a good coach, you're going to get a new job. So I would, I would, I would love that so much. And I think that's the alternative to tearing that team down. You know, not to change teams. You know, with our subject well, here, but I, I well, that's a good set because I was actually going to bring up Portland with the coach. Like, do they need to blow the team up? I think Is, they're. I think. Stay. I mean, I know. I think they're going to from just from the way everybody's talking, even Lillard, who I two weeks ago would have said zero chance he ever leaves Portland. I don't know. Nurkic certainly from his words looks like he's ready to go. He said something like it depends, you know, are you going to come back next year? It depends. Normal Norman Powell player option. So I think a lot is going to depend on whether Nurk has to be traded and whether Powell comes back. I think if Powell so, comes so back. So that Portland may be a team that rebuilds, not themselves, but Portland. Portland could, I could see, well, I mean, I don't know if they're going to trade Lillard. I could see them. God, he's an incredible shooter, isn't he? Oh, he's, a, he's, he's, the, he's one of the four best players in the league right now. Boy, those, I mean, those threes he hit, I think, in, the, in their last game or next to last game, the 11 55 points, that double, that double overtime game was the best basketball game I've seen in 10 years. That was bonkers, that game. Here's the thing, like, in, in sports, it's easy to take a – it's easier to go from being a bad team to becoming a good team. But to take that step – step from being a good team to a great team. I thought you were going to say it's easier to become go from bad to good than to go from good to bad. I'm like, eh. <laughs> no. So if you're a good team, it, it's, it's hard to get that next step to great. Right. And you're absolutely so, right, Matt. And Celtics are the perfect example of that. I think both teams are. They need, they need something. When they are up against the Nets in Milwaukee uh, and, a, and uh, who's the other one? Uh, uh, the other good team. Philly. Philly, 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 yeah, Philly. They don't. They're not in that league. They are not. Those three teams well, that, that's are the same way problem. better than themselves. That's the same problem the Blazers had. They beat up on all the sub five hundred teams, and then when they had to play Phoenix or Utah, they were you know one a third of their games. And it and that's I mean it, it's really interesting, Matt, that comparison because they are kind of similar situations, and we'll have to see what because they so far they're both sort of going in the same direction. Yeah, although, they're, they're they're kind of stuck in that. We're a good team yeah. category. So what I was going to like, what I'm thinking now, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking out loud too, so I don't know if I have a, a, a real strong stance on it, but I think it does become coaching that mm-hmm. elevates the players from being good to great. And, and that's, I'm questioning, I don't think Brad Stevens is, is that caliber, or may, maybe he is, maybe, right? But so I, I wonder if sticking, staying on a, a Becky Hammond topic, does that if I think if you look at a, the coach coming into your team, we're a good team, we're a playoff team, we'll be in the playoffs next year. I want a coach that's going to make us great. If I'm Dame Lillard, whoever that coach is, I think that is the thought process. Hey, is this coach going to make our team great? Then I'll stay. If this coach is going to keep us good, or if this coach is a wild card. I'm out. I want great because I only have a few years left. Well, and here's the problem. I don't know if Lillard falls into this category, but I feel like most players in the NBA care more about the coaches, how he handles his players. Like they don't want a drill sergeant. They want a, res- a guy who respects them. I think they care more about that than 
it's it, you, when you hire a new coach, no one knows what his potential is, what their ceiling is. And I think, you know, again, back to Becky Hammond, if she gets any of these three jobs, let's say Pop retires is a possibility. Boston and Portland are both possibilities. There's going to be five other coaches fired. She'll be mentioned for every one of those jobs. Does she need to wait around for the quote perfect situation where she has the complete? No, I think she should grab the first good offer she gets Uh, because, you know, it's really exciting that there could be a female head coach manager in a, in a, um, you know, like just like the Marlins general manager. Yeah. Um, You know, the fact that, that women can now, uh, fill those positions and be considered is huge progress. Can I, let me play a little other, a, a different side of, of this debate for a second. And and this honestly doesn't have anything to do with Becky Hammond as an individual. Like I said, I do think she's qualified and will be, she will, I think she'll be, she's is qualified to be a head coach in the NBA. Is it fair to say though, that the other side of the debate would be, like I said, the, the three things you need to buy in. Is it going to be hard for a female to walk into a locker room and get the buy-in from the players? It doesn't appear that that's going to be the case right. with her. And I was, I Matt, I was asking myself the same questions three days ago. And then when this rumor came out, you saw all these players, all these top star players in the NBA talking about how she should absolutely get this opportunity. They should hire her. She should, she should get this job. I think – that that to me showed me a, a, so, and the, absolutely there are going to be players in the league that's what does she know well, she only played in the WNBA she was only a four time All Star you know she's I I don't know I don't know what the I feel like you would have to be kind of on this ten percent out here of NBA players who hate women to yeah. to not buy into Becky Hammond I mean she is she is probably the most attractive coaching candidate that's not that's not already a head coach in other words Stotts and and Brad Stevens will get jobs elsewhere but as far as coaches that aren't in the NBA she is the best candidate for any anyone's job and And I and I I agree with that I'm fine whether she goes to Toronto or or Boston or the Lakers I I don't don't think I think I I agree with Daryl she should take the first the first offer she gets and if that means keeping that seat warm until Pop retires and then going back to San Antonio, she'll do Here's that. my only thing. And then we can move off this. I, what I, I guess I'm, what I'm worried about or, or cautious about and why I think the situation matters so much here, the, the, the sorry, my kids are walking in the room looking for their baseball stuff. Um, if, she is unsuccessful and let's, I must I don't know if it's fair to even put this hypothetical out there because we, we don't know, but if she's unsuccessful and it, because it was the wrong situation, it's the wrong roster. They didn't buy in half the team. I'm not listening to her. She's not an NBA. She was W like, right. There's that kind of attitude. Does that add fuel to the debate of a female shouldn't coach. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think society's moving ahead. And yeah. the thing that in, su- in, in summation on this uh, topic, 
you know, it used to be that the same old white guys who had blown their previous teams and weren't really that good coaches, they were the only ones ever considered. So things have opened up. And I think it's just a matter of time uh, before we have a, a, a really good uh, coach, a female coach, and maybe she'll have success. Maybe she won't off the bat because that's true of all the coaches. Right. I and mean, Matt, Steven's I... really underachieved in a lot of ways. He did make the Eastern conference finals three out of four years for this year. And that was pretty decent, but you know, in the end, especially this year, he had kind of lost the team. Yeah. And Matt, I understand why you're asking the question. And I think three years ago, Two years ago, maybe even, I give a different answer. But I don't see professional basketball players at the highest level looking at her. Like I said, it's there's going to be a few, but it's going to be those these players out on the fringe who would hate who hate all women, not just well, Becky, right. not just but the you, one that's hired as their coach. Well, I think. And Matt, you know what's interesting is like when you look at the NBA now, they're all 23 years old. Like every team is kind of run by Devin Booker, by all these players that are that, that haven't even really, if, if they'd stayed in college, graduated yet. And so I remember like when my daughter, who's in her 30s, her, she and her friends, they had a much different attitude than people I knew when I was growing up. They aren't as racist as as um, older Americans used to be. Or sexist or well, most right. of so they're they're really open. So I think that's really the change. That, so these players are going to accept whoever does a good job and yeah. regardless I mean, of their sexual orientation. I'm I'm I, I I'm cautiously optimistic. I guess I just I I mean LeBron James even he who was the 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 coach his second stint back in Cleveland, um, that guy from Europe. What was that guy's oh, name? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Right, and it doesn't yeah. even matter. But, like, LeBron James, I don't trust this guy. He's not – like, you, the NBA players have a lot of power, and if they don't buy in – That's LeBron. There are very few players in the NBA who can fire a coach. LeBron's probably all of them right but, now. But Do the Lakers uh, – are they out of the playoffs? Did they yeah. lose yet? Yeah, they lost to Phoenix. Yeah. And, and the last thing – I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm optimistic, and I, I hope you guys are right. But, I mean, sports athletes in general, <laughs> they don't always treat women with respect. Correct. And and so this, this notion that a 23-year-old kid, just because they're 23 and coming out of college, I hope I'm wrong, is just going to respect the female – like. I'm with with Daryl on this. I think all the 23 year olds will. It's the 37 year olds that will. Right. It's the, you know, but I think even them, there are no more Rick Mahorn, Charles Barkley, Bill Lambeer type personalities in the NBA. There are, these guys are professionals. They're all multimillionaires. Their careers and their mentality are so much more refined. Uh, and I, again, we could we could talk about this first. Was it was there something about LeBron James that you were going to bring oh, up, Joe? Yeah, yeah, let's let's move on briefly to that. And we're not talking gonna, about the vaccination question. Yeah, yeah right? no, I, I want to get to Naomi Osaka in a second, but let's LeBron. We we love LeBron here. We are on yep. record as all loving right. LeBron. We called him out on the vaccine thing. Right. This is way worse to me. Yep. What he, I don't know if you saw this, Daryl. He six minutes ago they were down twenty two. Oh points. yes, this was. Gross. Went to the locker room. This is gross, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you do that? 
I, 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 that LeBron. And Matt, wouldn't you say he lost his teammates' respect? Yeah, he lost my respect. So last lost year, if you, the, the Clippers, last year, one of the reasons why Doc Rivers got fired, or this is what I read, one of the reasons that he was sort of out in LA is because he sort of allowed the Kawhi Leonard and Paul Pierce to kind of do their own thing. And the rift in that locker room was, man, I got to do all this media stuff. How come Kawhi and Paul and Paul George don't have to do it? And I've got to do all this stuff. Why don't they have to do it? And that, and, and there's the speculation. That's why the Clippers weren't that cohesive team that won in the bubble last year, LeBron, come on, man. Now. And I, I get it. Schroeder, um, you know, everybody else, KCP on the Lakers, um, who's uh, Kuzma, like, I mean, he's been hurt. They Kuzma's, Kuzma's been created, and he's he's been better with New Orleans than he was with, or with Charlotte, rather, than yes. with the Lakers, yeah. They did not carry their weight this season. When AD and LeBron James were out injured, that team could not win a game if they paid the other team. Like, they were bad. But he gave up on them. But yeah, that leaving. LeBron, but the LeBron, thing LeBron, is, if he had left, on your team. if he had left with a trainer, like so, if he's injured right. and yeah. the trainer was taking him off for treatment, that would have been fine. That would have been totally fine. But if, if you're, you're just carried was, off for it, if you're carried off for it, well, no, limped off. You know, like when people no, get, like a, a near concussion or any, you know, any sort no, of injury. If you are physically, you you just twisted your you are physically right. hurt just for treatment you could put a nice pack on your ankle on the bench but you could also it, limp off it, i mean it, it happens yeah. a lot that the trainer takes the guy back for it, it was this was very clear that he was giving up on the game yeah. you can tell from his body language from right. his impression there was there was no injury there was none of that and i i would really like to hear from some of his teammates what they think of that well you can what are, you they what are they gonna say what yeah right. you're gonna say f lebron james i don't right. it's, it's like it's like republicans refusing to talk about the previous well, they'll, be, they'll be traded to toronto tomorrow because yeah, so, so what's who's lebron playing for next year They'll be back. He'll be no, back I, with he'll be back with with Davis and nine new players on that roster. Yeah, well, that that's it, right? But is Davis? I like him. He can't stay healthy. Yeah, well, well that's, but he that's, has mostly through his career, right? No, no he hasn't though. No, he hasn't. Yeah, hasn't, he hasn't, hasn't been really. around very long. He's been hurt. I think three out of three seasons. He's missed even, significant even time. Even his last year in New Orleans, right? He he missed like the whole second half of the year, and that was the thing, like. I'm not coming back, getting hurt. I want to be. I want to be traded. So, but you know, I I, I don't like he's not tough. I, I I don't like that narrative because it has nothing to do with toughness. I, so I don't like calling him. He's he should tough it out. He this is a winner. The dude is fragile. That's what he is. It's not a matter of whether I'm tough or not. Because yeah. I, I think Anthony Davis is a tough dude. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna walk up to him in the street and call him. Yeah. You know, and Greg, Greg, Greg Oden was a tough guy too. And he, you know, he the biggest, the biggest quote disappointment, you're not, not through any fault of his own. The guy worked hard. He just had a bad body. And when you've got a, a seven foot, 300 pound body, it's going to, your ankles are going to have. Yeah. But hold on a second here. I'm looking at his career stats and um, you know what a stat man I am, Joe, right? <laughs> and, um and so he started in 2012, and here's the number of games he played. 
60, 67, 68, 61, 75, 75, 56, 62, 60, 36 this time. So he's been playing but 60, 60 games in a full season. That's missing a quarter of the season yeah, in a full you. season. Yeah. That's yeah, not, but, but he was he was thirty six games this year. So I Darryl, but but Daryl, when you're twenty one years old, you should be able to play. There were like five sixties in a row. He's missing twenty games a year. He's now he's got some sixty eight, some sixty seven. That's missing thirteen games. That's yeah, a lot. That's, that's a not lot. so bad. That's, that's a lot. Fifty their games. But no, but and it's it is interesting how some players, um, you know, like we were talking about Rob Williams for the Celts. They just get injured a lot, you know, for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, if you're LeBron, I think you need to look at that roster because I, I don't think he's done, but, I mean, he, he's got a lot of miles on his tires. And, and I think that, that cost him a lot this year too. We, the, the pandemic thing was rough. The break yeah. and the bubble playoffs – that's incredibly wearing. It's not surprising to me that. But no, you're right. I think LA has another season. Yeah. I, I, I want to do the Daryl force the subject change thing here because <laughs> yes, yeah, want, yeah, I really want to talk about this Naomi Osaka situation because this is, you know, this is something that we, you can, you can find opinions on both sides, loud opinions on both sides of this. And I, I'm curious to know where you two stand. I think I know where you would stand, but so for those of you who don't know, Naomi Osaka Said that a she, brilliant player. Yeah, great player. She said she wasn't going to do press at the French Open because she's got anxiety, depression issues. I, and then so essentially the the French Open put pressure on her, and then she ended up withdrawing from the tournament. And now and she's, not only the French, but the other three majors, Wimbledon, the U.S. Yeah, they, Open, they all yeah. ganged up. The French was going to let her play, and the other three said. We won't allow her to play, or we'll fine her. Like they were going to fine her twenty five or a hundred thousand dollars. I think I'm. I have had struggles with depression and anxiety my entire adult life. There have been plenty of times where I checked out on a conference call or a meeting or showing up to work because I just couldn't couldn't deal that day. So I have one thousand percent sympathy for her. On the other side, I don't know why we demand that every athlete be available for questioning after every game. Well, yeah, but the thing is, we do. I not we, but that's the when you play professional tennis, you have to be available. And I think it's and so in in other sports, they designate one or two people that are going to be the spokesman that right. day. And there, there have been was it Allen Iverson, I think, for a stretch, and there was Royce Young, who was with the Rockets and had had some severe mental mental you know battles with depression. Tried to back out of these things, and as a as someone who covers games, when I'm covering a game, if I get a player after the game and they're giving me one word grunt answers to my questions. I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk to you. It's a waste of my time, waste of your time. I'm not going to get anything valuable. I'd rather talk to the 13th guy on the roster to give me a, a, a good answer than I would talk to someone who doesn't want to talk to me. There will always be plenty of players and coaches after every sporting event that will give you great quotes. We would love to talk to you. I, when I played, I would love to get interviewed. I would have been interviewed by the – by the elementary right, school. Right, but, but 
But, you know, what do you think, Matt? I mean, are you okay with her refusing or with her taking care of her mental health? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, me too. I, I, I think, look, but to answer your question, I mean, I think, Joe, the reason why it's sort of a demand on the athletes is for the benefit of that league or organization. Because I know you don't like to think that fans are owed anything and, and they, they're, they're not, but the truth is if, if fans don't support the leagues, there is no league. I think if you ask fans, if you ask every tennis fan on earth, do you, do you insist that Naomi Osaka do post-match interviews even though she doesn't want to because of her depression and her anxiety, I think, again, it's the, there's this fringe out here that will always say, no, screw her. But that's the same people that are going to say, the same NBA players that are going to say, we don't like Becky Hammond. You know what I mean? Like, they're, yeah. you're always going to have people out there that, that are going to react that way. But I think, I mean, Daryl and I are the only two tennis fans on the show. We both, we both think it's okay. So, no, no, I, I have, I have no problem with that. I understand why leagues want their stars in the spotlight. I understand why leagues want their stars covered. Um, do I think that should be at the detriment of an individual's mental health? No, I do not. And it clearly so, will be in this situation. Yeah. So but, and, and, and then she resigned from the tournament, which is a big yeah. deal. Right. Um, and the, the, and so I wonder what that portends for the future. Well, her. the WTA has basically taken away her, her privilege to play because she won't. I think, I don't know, there are players who commit far worse offenses than this in the world who mm -hmm. just carry on playing. I, I, this, yeah, this bothers I me. Agree. Well, well, the thing is also, though, with tennis, there's this history of Chrissy Everett and all these really young uh, stars that, that win a tournament when they're 15, 16. And then by the time they're 21, they're like through because they're just burned out. Um, and she, and Naomi is one of those people. What's great about Naomi Osaka is how outspoken she is. She's like uh, LeBron. She's like really clear-spoken and um, really she stands walk, up. She doesn't walk off the court in the middle of the second set. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that was a bad one. I'd forgotten about that one. That was a bad one. Is that um, just uh, just repressing memories that, that quickly, that's how quickly you can shove things into the back? That's great. That's a great skill, Daryl. Oh, yeah, yeah, it really is. What I do think they need to do, though, and this is kind of like me as a teacher and, and somebody who is – is aware of you know the the whole social emotional learning and educating kids through that sort of lens you know this notion that an athlete needs to sit in a room with 25 reporters asking them the same question yeah stupid questions you know like i said i, I understand the importance or i understand why leagues want their stars spotlighted so like how I see this situation, like for me, I'm like, okay, like work with her. Naomi, can you do one-on-one? -on -one? Naomi, can you give three reporters something? Can we give you um, pre, 
what would, what would it be called in the, in like pre-recorded questions? Can sure. we, yeah. you know, Question. work with, because as a teacher, that's what I would do when I have a right, student. Right, right. You like to think of all I, I have students who don't like to play tag because they don't like to feel like people are chasing them, right? I'm not going to force them to play tag. I'm going to modify a lesson or an activity to, to help them feel comfortable. And I don't understand why leagues can't do that either. Well, and what the WTA when I'm paying you money, not to really answer a question, but to play tennis, I'm asked, you know, or Kevin Love, like I'm paying you money to play basketball. I want you covered because you're the face of my team and I want the, our, the fans in our community to buy into you and support you and support our team, but I want you to feel comfortable doing it. So, you know, give me, can, can you do three reporters a week? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know why leagues can't yeah. do that. No, I mean, it's the thing is, but think about how hard it is too, because, you know, the, the few, I try to watch very few interviews and, you know, they're, they're all miserable and, you know, like the poor reporters have to come up with questions and, you know, and then there's, there's either, there's basically two ways of answering for the people that are smooth at it. One is the Belichick say nothing. <laughs> and the other one is just this, well, we all gave it everything we have. Yeah. That's all we can do is just give it everything we have. And, you know, it's, so it's one of those two sort of answers. The, and neither of them are very inspiring. Or, or helpful or informative. I, I right. agree. I, think I mean, but the bottom line is it's done because, like you were, what you were getting at, Matt, to, to humanize the, the athlete, to bring the local connection to it, to, to get loyalty to it. And it's a business decision. That's how you – your well, uh, franchise is worth more. And and I, I I totally agree. This is the first time I think three of us have agreed this this vociferously on the same thing. I think on the WTA has a lot of obligations, right? They they put on the tournaments, they distribute the prize money. They also they they should be responsible. I think we're all arguing this for the well being, mental well being of the players, right? They should also they are also responsible for putting on the best competition possible. And when you tell Naomi Osaka, one of the world's best players, mm -hmm. that you can't play because you won't answer meaningless questions after the match, you're you're damaging your league's product in the in the purest, most you know, most agnostic sense of the word. You're you're damaging the competition by taking one of your best players out of that competition. So I, I think in every respect, the WTA is is failing their obligations to players to fans. You know, I want to bring up one other, one other thing. Me, which, hold on, Darren. Let me ask. Yeah. Now, Joe, I want to ask you a question. This thought just popped into my head. I don't know how media rooms work. I, you I have been on that side professionally, Joe. So is it crazy to, to think? Me, Matt Baker, I'm a reporter. Before I go into a news conference, I have to... I have to let you, Joe, know. You represent the team. I have to let you know what angle I'm working for my story. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, I think no, that because is, interviews are right after the action. They don't right, give it, the, you know, they want to talk right away to the person who made the winning shot or let in the, the losing goal, whatever well, it is. The other thing is, if, if the reporter has an agenda and they're going into an interview saying, this is my story, this is what my story is going to say, that's a bad journalist. 
Right. And the, uh, the John Feinsteins of the world, they do not have agendas like that. They're well, well respected. And you, you go into things knowing what you want to ask and, and anticipating what you're going to get in response. But, but knowing what you want the final story to be different, you know, I, I, I understand you're asking more like for, for preparations, right? I'm trying, no, I'm trying to think of like, how can we hold the journalists more accountable to asking the more appropriate type questions I that think aren't the problem is, or upset or cause anxiety to the athlete? All right. I'm going to go back to our answer for everything. And that's money because media sells that is overblown and sensational. The, the, you know, the, the calm story never gets told. It gets told, but it gets told in the Atlantic or, you know, the back page bleacher report or in, in long form, long form publications are separate from the everyday covering a tournament, covering the playoffs, covering a game. So I think you're going to get two different results you've got. But again, I think going back to your, to your question, sorry, what was the original question again? Just like, if, if I'm a reporter and I not knowing what story I want to write, but if I kind of know what kind of questions I want to ask, Hey, Daryl just hit the game winning shot. I'm looking to get his emotion off this game winning shot. Right. Right. And then I have to stick to that. My questions have to stick to that premise. If I go off and, and yeah. start talking about something else, you know, how can you hold me accountable? Because no, I mean, the thing, the whole thing is how can, a journalist, how can a journalist do a job if you don't let them ask whatever questions they want? Right. And that's where, that's okay. where but, and also, how, but you know, so you asked me how I, what may, what I was feeling when I made the game winning shot. Well, all my team stepped up. They all stepped up. They all did what they were supposed to do. And then my success is because of them. You know, that's the kind of answer you get, which well, is, Most the overwhelming majority of the time, I'll go in with with six or seven questions and you ask the first two and those lead to two other follow ups that are on your list. And then all of a sudden you're you're full of follow ups and maybe you get back to some of these others. So I think you can't quite predict an interview like that because you you have to react to the responses. You have to react to what the person. Can I bring up something else about women's tennis? Because. Billie Jean King has been talked about a lot as people talk about Naomi Osaka and other people that have, have stood up and, and, and uh, what Billie Jean really led was the equalizing the pay. It used to be that for a hundred dollar prize for the men, the women got a buck 50, you know, and it's, it's much better now. Like this, tournament that um, Naomi pulled out of was, is a million dollars for the winner. It's equal purse now, I think, for Pretty men. close, pretty close, yeah. And honestly... Uh, the, That's a huge all, thing. All through the 90s, 80s and 90s, the women's game was better. You know, I, I rather would have watched Steffi Graf and Monica Seles than Agassi and Sampras. Except for the grunting. I found the grunting really distracting. Ugh. <laughs> no, that was every no, time. No, no, every that was just, time. That was just me trying to get up. That was... <laughs> So, all right. So, uh, oh, I do. I do want to mention playoff hockey. So, there's eight teams left, and one of them is the Bruins, and the Bruins have a pretty good chance of beating the Islanders. So, Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup. That's my pick. Think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. have they have what they call the perfection line, and man, does Bergeron and um, he can he's an incredible player. They're so well balanced, front to back, top to bottom. 
Yeah. yeah. Three really solid lines. Yeah, that, I think they're the, they're the team to beat. And then Darryl, this Charlie McAvoy's become a superstar defenseman. Daryl, what about your hero? Your hero saying goodbye. Coach K. Coach K. Oh, okay, cool. Seconds, but, yeah, but he, okay, but right, but he, he I, I love it. He's, he's got a whole year, and he's already picked the um, the successor. Yeah, uh, so we'll have, to, we'll have to get your. I want to get your opinion on the successor. We'll have to talk about that next week. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot Later, for listening to <laughs> to Baker, Biggie, and Joe Sports Plus Show. Thanks Later. a lot. We'll see you next week. Thanks, thanks everybody. everybody.